Blog Talk Radio. Who's that? Who are you talking about? Who? Oh. He was rushed to the hospital in the ambulance at 3 a.m. Mm. Monday morning, 3 a.m. Right. And um, she had a esophageal spasm. Mm. Sounds painful. It's where you have, like, your... Hey, you the hospital. Yeah. 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 Let's turn to 34 and let's sing. Living by faith, number 34. 34. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith, in Jesus above, trusting confiding in His great love. From all hearts faith, in sheltering all. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Though tempests may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on and describes living by faith in Jesus Trusting confiding in his great love. From all harm's faith, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alone. I know that he faithfully will carry me through. No matter what evils betide, why should I then care though the tempest may blow if Jesus walks close to my side? Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting confiding in his great love. From all harm's I'm living by faith and feel no alone. Amen. And you can do that in a crazy, chaotic world when you got the Lord. Amen. 
No matter what comes, you can still say, God's got me, and it's going to be all right. Amen. I'm thankful for my Lord. He's sure been good to me in spite of all of my flubs and mistakes and just outright sin. Just He's he sure been good. Amen. <clears throat> i tell you what. I appreciate it. You prayed for me yesterday. I had a good trip yesterday. I had a good day, and it was a blessing. But I took care of some business. I had to take care of Arkansas, but but uh, drove up where I went to school yesterday, and where uh, we, I went to a Christian school up there in Columbia County, Arkansas, in Magnolia. Goodness, I drove down there. It was a little tiny school. I mean, we had a pretty good sized gymnasium down there. It had carpeted floor. If you ever seen a carpeted basketball court, we had a carpeted basketball court. <laughs> Which is all good until you fall down and slide and tears a hat off. So you put a rug burden like nobody else. But but I tell you, I went and I pulled down that road. And I thought I'm gonna go back and see the old school I went to. Looked like a college university campus. Good night. There's a guy down there. He's a Christian guy. I told mom he's he's a he's an oil man and uh, he's made a fortune. But he and his kids and grandkids, I guess, go to that school and he built a huge basketball gym. Looked like a college basketball thing. Craziness. But anyway, I had a good I had a good trip yesterday, and and uh, good, to, huh? Amen. Good to be back, and and um, need to lift up Scott in prayer. Um, any anything different, Scott? Okay. When did he go to Tyler? Hmm. Y'all please lift him up in prayer. Yeah. Yeah, he seems encouraged, and it's encouraging news to me to hear. And uh, let's lift Richard up in prayer, and he should be coming home pretty soon. Am I right? Okay. Praise the Lord. I know you're glad of that. And I'm thankful for the Lord hearing and answering prayers. Yes, we do. Yeah, because all kind of stuff, little things can go wrong. So we need to pray for everything to go right. All right. Anybody else? Anything else? Yes. Yes. Remember Charlotte? She had five teeth pulled. And that is, I mean, one's bad enough. I had one pulled here a while back, and it, like, killed me. I can't imagine five. But uh, anyway. Dan went to the doctor today, and. Now you got to go back and have more done. I need to go to the doctor tomorrow. <laughs> they just live in the doctor's office. Yeah, you just need to rent a room over there. Yeah. I have a room I can rent y'all out. Be a little closer to the doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets that way, don't it? We're praying for you. We sure are. Yes, Mary. We have a free Okay, I sure will. Also, uh, uh, Tori, the girl that lives over with with Donnie and Erica and Jackie and all them. Jackie and Tori. Yeah, yeah. Tori, she went to the hospital today. She's having some issues. Uh, just I ain't gonna get into it, but it just just she needs a lot of prayer. So lift her up in prayer. She's she's bless her heart. She's come from a bad situation and and it just ain't getting better for her right now. So just pray that God works in her life. And that she just praying really that God God stirs in her life and she feels a need to get close to the Lord. That's really what we're praying for. And I told Jackie anything we can do as a church to support her and 
love her and help her, we'll do. So to please let her know that. So please lift Tori up in prayer. Uh, Robertson, I think, is her name, last name. Um, trying to think. Is anybody else uh, we need to lift up in prayer? I know Cindy's having some kind of procedure done this month, and I can't remember when Donnie told me it was going to be, but I want to say it's somewhere maybe around later this week. I think it's around the 17th or something. So I don't know. That would be Saturday. That won't work out. But anyway, pray for her. Uh, anything else? Okay. How many other unspokens we got tonight? Okay. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with all those needs. And Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Tears ever come again in that lovely land of un- 
Stop on time, does he? No. <laughs> we got we had to we had to stop and change the battery in the clock because we worried about it tonight. I mean to tell you, you know, I got a clock up here on this thing, right? I can too, seven eighteen. I sure can. It ain't that little. Amen. Number seventy five. Number seventy five. It is sweet and by. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. To prepare us a dwelling place there, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore. The melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more. God has sighed for the blessing of rest. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. To our bountiful Father above, we will offer the tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love. And the blessings that hallow our day In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore Turn over to number 85 Just over in the glory land. I've a home prepared where the saints abide. Just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side. Just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land. Oh. 
host I'll stand Just over in the glory land What a joyful thought That my Lord I'll see Just over in the glory land And with kindred saved There forever be Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land There with the mighty host I'll stand Just over in the glory land When the blood was wrong I will shout and sing Over in the glory land everybody that's saved is there. Amen. That's the mighty host, the host of believers. We don't say a host of things anymore. I don't know where that word host went, but it's not common usage anymore. But but it talks about a host, mighty host. That's that's us. That'll be us someday. Huh? This is true. This is true. And replaced by a lot of dumb slang that don't make any sense. These days, when the when somebody tells you they ain't lying, they say no cap, no cap. That means I ain't lying. Ain't no lie, no cap. I don't understand that, but that's what they say. <laughs> I guess I guess I guess if I got my cap on, I'm lying about the fact that my head's bald. Reckon that's what they mean. No cap. You're telling the truth. Ain't no lie. I don't know. I ain't trying to figure that out tonight. Anyway, I just thought I don't know why I got on that. But anyway, Proverbs chapter 23. I am on that tonight. Amen. And if you're worried about how, what time I'm going to get done, I can tell you exactly what time I'm going to get done when I get finished. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to get done. Not a moment too soon. When I get to the end, that's when I get done. All right. Proverbs 20, 23, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 18 tonight. And all of that scare you because, again, a lot of them are combined. So we won't take extra time. Actually, I have less notes tonight probably than do other times. So we're going to go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us tonight and bless the reading of the word. And let's, Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for these people that have gathered together tonight here in your presence to hear the word of God preached and taught. And, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's tuned in. Lord, those who are listening to us on Blog Talk Radio tonight, Lord, and those who are tuned in to catch us on Facebook Live, or maybe they're watching us later. Lord, whenever, I pray, Father, that Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'll reach out and touch folks in their hearts and, and Lord, give them, impart to them this wisdom. And, Lord, help them, Father, to to live lives that honor you, that that please you, Father, by by following your commandments. Help us, us, Lord, to be mindful of these things, Lord. And you didn't give these things to Solomon just for for the sake of somebody talking and writing stuff down. These things are important to you. 
Lord, he's expressing your heart. Father, help us tonight to receive it, and Lord, align ourselves with it, that we might give glory and honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords with our life. And Lord, we'll just give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all the wisdom we received tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right. So, Proverbs 23, verse 9 through 18. And again, these are... These are these these are a little bit longer, and sometimes it's, it's one verse, sometimes it's four or five verses, sometimes it might be two verses. But uh, well, first of all, we're gonna we're gonna start here with verse nine, and it says it says, "Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words." So God's telling us, you know, if if you're trying if you're dealing with a fool, and you know this is a fool, don't waste your breath. I mean, there, if, if your horse is dead and it's laying out in the yard, you can go out there and take a two-by-four and whoop him and say, get up, get up, kick him and everything. But there's no sense. We know the expression. There's no point in beating a dead horse, right? Well, there's no, you know, trying to get a fool to listen to you is like trying to beat a dead horse. You're going to get the same result. Nothing's going to come out of it. And uh, so, you know, when it says speak not in the ears of the fool, that we're assuming the one talking is not a fool. And is a wise man, and and when, again, in the ears of a fool means not. I mean, it's not talking about over, something they overhear. It's just saying don't directly address a fool because because you're wasting your time. The Bible says he will not. He will despise the wisdom of thy words. He said, "Well, I have something good to say." Yes, but you're trying to give it to a fool, right? You know. It may have been wonderful what you had to say, but again, the landing place was not suitable for what you were offering, right? I could not fit a steak dinner in a teacup. You know what I'm saying? The landing place is important that they receive it, and if they don't have room enough to receive it, you're just wasting it. It's going to fall on the ground. And and so he, you know, he will despise your wisdom. He won't receive it. He don't want your. He don't. He, he won't receive your wisdom, and he sure don't appreciate your wisdom either. He'll be like Jesus described in Matthew 7, 6, when he said, cast not your pearls before swine. There's a reason why you don't say, hey, hey, Mr. Pig, hey, look at this pretty pearl necklace. Would you like to wear it? What's he going to do? Root, root, root. It's torn. It's everywhere. It's under the mud. He's not going to appreciate what you're giving him. Why? Because that's his nature. Like a like a pig trying to appreciate jewelry, it just don't work out because they're not suited for it, uh, you know. And then we get to verse ten. Verse ten, and this is very familiar. It's very uh, similar to one we talked about a couple weeks ago about removing not the ancient landmark. Uh, again, I preached a I got a message on, on this called which way which way do we go? I preached probably back in two thousand. When I when I was living in Arkansas before I ever moved to Paris, started church, I preached at Trinity Baptist Church when Mama was a member there, and uh, and anyway, it's a message. And, and the way I steered the message was there there are some spiritual landmarks that we don't need to remove, and you know, main one being the King James Bible, the, you know, uh, salvation by grace through faith. You know, there's so many so many fundamental doctrines that we don't budge on. We can't budge on because if we do, we lose what we have. We lose what we believe. And and this world is 
tries to strip away all the the fundamental things that make up Christianity. They want to, you know, there ain't too many preachers anymore that are preaching about the blood. There really ain't. You can find preachers that will preach on anything else, but there's not too many that will preach on the blood being necessary for salvation because that word blood is offensive to some people. And so, you again, you remove not the ancient or the, or the, or the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. And I can tell you right now, when you let go of the things that make up Christianity, you I, I'm, I'm spinning this a different direction, but, but you, you're going to wind up in a field with no father. <laughs> when you leave the things that God gave you behind. But that's not what this verse is saying. It's saying remove not the ancient landmark. Again, it's a stone marker <laughs> that's set up for property line. And when you move, the reason for moving the landmark would be to simply try to steal property and try to make your field bigger. And you have to steal it from somebody. You have to steal it from your neighbor. And, boys, well, a lot of fights break out over property lines. Matter of fact, my great-grandmother... Uh, she she had a stroke and ended up dying on account of argument over a, a pecan tree that was hanging over her property line. Her and a neighbor got in an argument because of pecans had fallen in her yard. She went out and picked them up. The woman next to her said, "They might your pecans. That's what come from my tree." She said, "Well, it fell in my yard." And then a fight ensued back and forth, and she ended up having a stroke and died. But but you know, again, property lines. Well, people love to fight over property, over what's this is mine. You move that. Oh, you. You're getting over on my, your bush is growing over here, you know. I mean, people want to argue about stuff like that. But it's very important on uh, what's yours and somebody come in and take it away from you. You know, that ain't right. And, you know, symbolically, again, if we look at this symbolically, what are we talking about? Ancient landmarks, we're talking about traditions, values, things that you firmly believe in, things that you've established and said, hey, look here, look here, kids, this is what we believe. We're not going to move that line. Amen? I, I can tell you right now, this old black book right here, this old King James Bible, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not changing to some other version. There is, you know, you might say, well, you're just hard-headed and stubborn in your thinking, but to me there is no other version. Because I believe there is no other version that God sanctioned for the English-speaking people than the King James Bible. And I, and, I, and I have many reasons to believe that, and I could probably go an hour or two on why I feel that way and believe that. But Rome has a lot to do with it, and Rome corrupted uh, manuscripts. They used corrupted manuscripts in order to create their version of the Bible. They hired two guys uh, to create uh, their, own, uh, their own version of the, the Greek New Testament. They 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 refuted, they ignored the old received text that the church handed down from, from church to church, generation to generation, what's known in Latin as the Textus Receptus, the received text. And they went and got one out of a Vatican library that had never been used before. It was a pristine copy nobody had ever fooled with before. And they said, oh, this is a much better copy than all them old pieces of manuscript that we've got, and then they found one in a trash can on Mount Sinai in a monastery, and it's called Codex Sinaiticus, and it also is a corrupted text, and these things don't line up with the received text. They're different. They change things. They omit things. And, and these two men, uh, Westcott and Hort, they translated these texts into English, and what they come up with 
is a whole lot different from what's in your King James Bible and all the other phony baloney versions out there use their interpretation of the text. You say, well, who, who are they? Both of them were unbelievers, non-believers. They belonged to something called the Ghostly Guild over in England. They believed in spiritism and conjuring up spirits and seances. These are men who translated the New Testament that all these other versions are, are they use to translate them out of. Think the devil ain't involved in that? Think the devil don't want to try to remove the ancient landmark, the old landmark? You think the devil don't want to move the landmark on us? Boy, he's been trying all he's been trying all through time, and he ain't gonna quit. I mean, listen, why you think there's electric guitars and fog machines in churches? It's because the devil's removing landmarks. That's why. That's why, again. That's why you think it's psychobabble from the pulpits instead of the gospel. It's because the devil's moving the landmarks. And. Uh, and the Bible says, enter not into the fields of the fatherless. That's an orphan's field. He ain't got no daddy to stand up for him. And that orphan, that orphan's field needs special care. It needs special protection. Why? Because this somebody ain't got no mom and daddy to look out for them. And so this this is a, a precious thing. And somebody come in there and try to take advantage of that person because they know nobody's going to stand up for them, you see. And God said, uh-uh. No, no, no. You don't do that. It's evil. It's evil to enter into the fields of the fatherless and try to take some of their harvest from them or try, or try to cause some harm to them or, or, or move their property lines. It's evil to do that, especially to somebody who can't take care of themselves. And he says, hey, there's a reason why you better not do that. The Bible says, for their Redeemer is mighty. <clears throat> the orphan and vulnerable people, they have a special protector. They have a Redeemer. Listen, he, he's, he's vowed to plead their cause against people that would come to take all they have. And that, that word Redeemer here, it's not just any word. It's a very meaningful Hebrew word. It's the word uh, ga'al, and, and here's what it means. It, it, it means it, the redeemer or slash avenger, I guess you could call him. He's usually a powerful relative who would remain. Who, he would be a champion of the rights of a, of the defenseless. I'll give you an example of it. You remember Boaz when Ruth they'd have nothing. Her her Naomi and and you know and 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 and, and what what does what what does Boaz do? He redeems them. He redeems them, and, and and he makes it so that they're able to 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 survive, and not only survive but thrive. And again, he he is the he is the gall in their family. But but if there's no human redeemer, no human gall or whatever they call it, God will take up their cause. Uh, Exodus six six. Listen to this. Wherefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. So God said, hey, ain't nobody else going to get you out of there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get you out of Egypt. Job 19, 25 through 27, Job said, listen to what Job said, for I know that my Gaal liveth, my Redeemer. I know that he's going to plead my cause. Amen? And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. This is Job, the oldest book in the entire Bible. Job, the first written book of the Bible, and Job's talking about, hey, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and, and listen, and he's going to stand at the latter day upon the earth at the end of this whole 
thing when it all wraps up. He he knew that way back there. And he said, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, after I've been buried and the worms have done eat me and I'm just a pile of dust down in a grave somewhere, he said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. That means he knew he was going to be resurrected. He knew an awful lot for a man lived so long ago, didn't he? There wasn't a bunch of dummies back then. I have a feeling that Adam talked a lot about some stuff. <laughs> I think Adam learned a pretty valuable lesson back here in the garden, and he talked to a lot of people about what he saw and what he knew. All right? He said, "He said, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Happy, happy Valentine's Day. Love you with all my reins. Love you with all my kidneys. You know, that's what the Bible used to say. The Bible used to talk about that, about, about the kidneys being the seat of the emotion. Can you imagine getting a Valentine's card with a kidney on the front of it? Be mine, right in the middle of a kidney. But that's the way, that's the way they believed. That's, that's what the Bible taught. And there may be something to it. Because the heart is not really necessarily associated with the feelings. It's associated with the thinking. The heart's really associated with the brain. With a, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? But he, but you feel it in your reins or your kidneys, which is odd. But anyway, that's that's again things things are not always like they appear to be. Uh, verse twelve. God warns us not to neglect wisdom. He said to apply thine heart unto wisdom. That means on purpose. That means it doesn't happen just naturally. Wisdom don't fall out of the sky like a like a bird dropping something on you. I mean, it don't fall like that. It's just you know you got to go looking for it. Amen. It's 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 kind of like gold and silver. You kind of you got to get you got to get down in the creek, scoop up the rocks, and pan a little while and dig for it. Find it. It's not something that's gonna fall in your lap. Apply thine heart unto unto, unto instruction. <clears throat> you know, wisdom. People give out wisdom. Anybody can give out wisdom. It's got it. But it's got to be received if it's going to do any good. You know, if you if you need some medicine and I got some in my medicine cabinet, I can have all the medicine I want to. But if you don't ever put it on your spot, what good what good did it do? Right? I come in here with a stomachache the other day. Miss Bonnie gave me some pills to take. If I hadn't took one, it wouldn't have done me any good. Adam, I took one. Done some good. I appreciate that. Um, but anyway. You know, again, like I said, the reception of wisdom, getting wisdom, that isn't a passive event. You don't stumble into wisdom. It's active. It's received with a heart that truly applies itself to wisdom and instruction. And that heart usually has done butted its head against the wall enough times it realizes this way ain't working. I need God. I need what God's people are teaching. I need what God's people are living in. I need I, hey, the people that are having success in this life, I ain't going to find out what's going on with them. Those that are walking with God, because what I'm doing ain't working. And so God's telling us that. Apply your heart to it. Quit doing it your way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. You don't know what you're doing. God knows. You don't. And in and, and this verse, it's in the imperative. It's in the imperative voice, and it suggests that education is vital to your whole life. It's saying you apply your heart to, uh, to instruction. 
And and you know what? Again, education is vital to your whole life. I know at some point a lot of people they just kind of flip the switch off and say, I'm gonna learn. I don't wanna learn anything else. I got enough. But that's not wise. It's wise to keep learning. It's wise to always have your heart applied to wisdom. Always wise to try to learn something new. Because again, when you don't know the devil can take advantage of you. It's always wise to keep learning. We never stop learning. And the Bible said, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. And we mostly receive wisdom by what we hear, especially when we're listening to somebody wise and getting guidance from them. And our ears got to be tuned in if we're going to receive God's wisdom. You know, I can sit in the chair and my wife can say something even in the kitchen and I, I hear it, but I didn't know what she said. Uh-huh. I know men do that. I ain't the only one. I know all men do that. You eventually turn your wife out sometimes, don't you? I know nobody wants to admit that, but it's true. And I know I know it's true the other way around, too, because I ride my wife in the car sometimes, and we can ride for an hour and a half, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk the whole way, and she ain't said nothing. I'm thinking, do you even hear me? And I and I know she heard some of it, but some of it she tuned out. you got to listen. What I'm trying to say is you got to listen on purpose. I've raised enough kids to know. You talk, look right at them, they look right in your eyes, and they still ain't heard a word you said because they ain't listening. You've got to apply your ears to the word of knowledge. Just like a radio dial. I know most people got a little digital now, but I mean, I grew up with the AM radio. I grew up with the FM radio. I grew up with the dial. Y'all all did too. And you know as well as I do, you got to get that dial tuned right in if you want to hear a good, clear signal. And our ears have got to be done the same way because if we ain't, we just if we're sort of paying attention, you get part of the message and you miss you miss the important part. You got to listen to all. You got to pay attention on purpose and say, "I'm going to receive this and I'm going to do something with this." When the heart and the ears work together to receive wisdom, growth takes place. But your heart and your ears got to be working together. Your heart says, I want to learn, and your ear said, I want to listen. When you get it, you say, mm, man, if I do this, this, and this, things will go better. You grow. It's it's amazing how it works. But but a lot of people miss that. They they just think they're gonna stumble into the truth, and they don't they don't because they're not looking for it. But uh but once the heart the reason a lot of people don't get any wisdom is because they're so involved in silliness of this world. In the worldliness of this world, the affairs of this world, caught up in the in the rat race, caught up in the in the in the whole uh, glitz and glamour of famous people and show business and all that. You know, I, I, I watched at the Super Bowl when I got home the other night. I didn't really watch it. Watch it. I watched the last fifteen minutes when it was in overtime because it was interesting at that point. But I already knew the Chiefs was going to win. Because I figured they already had it staged that way. Because why? Because here's why I think so. And I'm, this this won't cost you no extra. I'm, y'all didn't know he's going to no Super Bowl talk, but 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 the, everything in this world is geared for something. And and you got Taylor Swift in there, and she this singer. And 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 let me just say to you tonight, that woman she she may have started out an innocent little girl, but she is now deep into some satanic stuff. They showed a little clip of them up there in the booth. And she got this rapper up there next to her. Her name is Ice Spice. Ice Spice Ice or Ice Spice or something like that. But she's up there doing this devil signs. 
and, and flashing her upside down cross and, and they're doing all these things and, and doing a toast at the same time. It's like they're showing us on TV. They're showing somebody doing satanic hand symbols on TV. And nobody thinks a thing of it, okay? They're trying to promote evil. And they're doing it they're doing it in a way that makes it look attractive to the young people of this world. And again, everybody's so caught up and I know Christian people who are love the Lord and the walk with God are not caught up in it, but there's so much of this world that's so caught up into the 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 fallacy of all those things. Because all those things are a fallacy. All those things are a lie. All of it is smoke and mirrors. All of it is make believe. Because I promise you, those people that they promote and build up there is something fantastic. When it all comes down to it, they're some of the loneliest, most miserable people on the planet because they're serving the devil, and they know it. They're in a contract, and they can't get out of it. But again, I went into all that to say this because I know you know what I'm saying is true. There's so many people out there who are so caught up in this whole machine the devil's got running, and their, their lives, their minds, their hearts are deceived. But once their heart is pulled away from that, from just a little bit, I mean, when, when they take it away from their worldly amusements, which is like a drug to them, listen, then when their heart is pulled away from that, then there's a brief moment when they can be receptive to wisdom. But not until that heart is pulled and removed away from that other stuff because they'll never see it, never hear it. <clears throat> and you've got to pray for people to have a moment where they can see and receive that. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give people that moment of clarity where they can see what the truth really is and how they've been lied to and see that God's way is the right way. But once your ears, once your heart is open to wisdom, the ears snap to attention and they receive what's being said. All right, let's keep going. Don't fail to correct your children. Verse 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. That, that verse right there scared the living daylight out of me when I was a kid. Hang on, lie to you. <laughs> if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. You can whoop him until he's nearly dead, but don't whoop him until he's dead. That's, what I, that's how I interpreted that verse. And there was some times I thought my daddy was going to kill me too, so... But anyway, it says withhold not correction from the child. And and again, the idea here is not that correction is forced on a child, but that it truly correction belongs to a child. You know, it's not like you're forcing them; they need it. A child is made for correction, and correction is made for a child. I had to do some of that today. I had a daughter that when I told her no today, she went oh, and now, and I said, come here. Let me tell you something. When you scream and when you yell and when you get loud like that and you growl like an animal, it is not pretty at all. I said it is very ugly, and that is not ladylike, and that's not the way God wants you to be. Do you understand me? Yes. Well, once you hear, you get it. Another thing, she was running around. She had been hearing some other little kids, uh, some relatives, saying, oh, my God. And I said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. Because that's not nice to God. Because you're using his name in an ugly way. We don't talk like that. And, she, and I said, I said, you, say, you can say, oh, my goodness, or, or 
or or goodness gracious or something like that. Well, she, I heard her earlier in the house. She said, "Oh my, oh my goodness!" I said, "Well, praise God. At least she's got that." And I know that ain't no much better, but anyway, it's better than saying the other. But you know, I'm thankful that her ears are open to hear. That's what I'm trying to say. But if you wait too long, you, they, their ears get stopped up and they don't hear nothing. You got, I mean, you got to, you got to correct them while they're young, while they'll receive it. Uh, but, but like I said, correction belongs to a child, and 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 to not give the next needed correction that a child needs to receive is to withhold it. Then the Bible says, "Don't do that." I know a lot of people. I don't want to whoop my kid. I don't want to spank him. I don't want to be. If they need it, they need it. If your words aren't, they need it in order to know this is where it stops. I don't want to go further. Let's stop now. Uh, but it goes on. Let's let's make sure we understand this. The second half of that says, "Thou shalt beat him with the rod," and that sounds horrible, doesn't it? That sounds like child abuse. Thou shalt beat him with a rod. It sounds like you got him tied up to the post, and you're just whacking him with a two-by-four across his back. That's not what this is exactly saying. The idea of the rod in Proverbs is sometimes used literally, and it's sometimes used figuratively. And there's a place for both literal rods, I mean, such as spanking, that's that's what this is referring to. Now, what they use, they use the rod, the paddle works the same, so does the belt. It's something hard that hurts when it strikes that backside that God made with lots of padding to receive that. But, you know, there's a place for spanking, and there's also a place for correction through alternative punishment, such as grounding, taking away something, or, or good stern talking to. There's always a place for those things, too. But, the thing of it is, thou shalt beat him with a rod sounds horrible, but the, the rod is for cleansing away the evil. It's there for a purpose. And and it's it's not to be applied in a horrible manner with screaming and threats and wild eyes. It's not to be done that way. It's to be done the right way with a heart full of warmth and affection for the child and respect for the child. This is the child you love. You don't want to hurt this child. You don't want to offend this child. You don't want to make this child hate your guts. You don't want to make this child turn around and scream in your face. You don't want this child to run in the bedroom, slam the door, put their face to the pillow, and say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. But it happens sometimes. But it shouldn't be that way. And the way to avoid that is to do this right. And warmth and affection Instead of hard discipline, is what the Bible teaches. And, 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 you know, and I ain't got time to turn over there right now, but Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, this is, this kind of, he kind of instructs, he, he's instructing on uh, on how to give a lecture. He's teaching about how to warn against the things that come against the kid and so that so that, that child doesn't grow up and, and uh, wind up in a lot worse trouble. I ain't got time to read that right now. But anyway, Proverbs 4, 1 through 9, if you want to look at that. But somebody who's abusing their child, somebody, a parent who's, who's harsh and abusive, they can't hide behind this verse, all right? This is not a verse that gives them an excuse. It doesn't justify being cruel to your children. There's a lot of parents, they find it way too easy to just grab the belt, just grab the stick, just grab the extension cord, just grab the lamp cord, 
grab whatever and throw. I, I know. I grew up in that. I remember my daddy stepped out of a motorhome one time with a full Dr. Pepper can, hit me right square between the eyes from 20 feet away because I did something because he thought I'd done something that somebody else did, and I took the brunt for it. So there, there's, a, and I, I know Mama cringes every time I say this. I lived through it, okay? I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I survived it. Amen. I didn't die, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sheltered. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not a victim. I'm not sitting there with victim mentality. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not cowering down because of what he did. I learned from it. I've grown from it. But what I'm saying is, I would rather have not lived through that. But. You can't justify that kind of behavior with this verse is what I'm trying to say. It don't justify cruelty. And, and like I said, there's too many parents who they think violence is, I'll just, I'll, I'll jerk a knot in you, boy. I'll whoop your hind in. I'll straighten you out. And, I mean, that, that sounds scary, and a lot of times that's enough to correct the child. But <clears throat> threats is not what really ought to handle things. It ought to be instruction. It ought to be love. It ought to be, this is why you're getting spanking, because we've tried to deal with it in a right way, and you haven't responded, so we're going to have to apply some discipline, and I don't want to do this, because I know it's going to hurt, but but you need to learn that you can't do this. And so, again, you know, for somebody, especially somebody that in, that loses their temper when they start giving whooping. They they need to they need to think on on Ephesians chapter six verse four which says and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, don't make your children hate you. Don't make them want to do you harm because I mean you know you whoop a child hard enough long enough he's gonna grow up and want to turn his turn on you and hurt you. Uh, you know if you don't do it right. But the Bible says bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's that's correction and, and the love of the Lord and and again. If you whip your child for every little thing, you're sowing the seed of bitterness. You'll make that child hate you. And like I said, one of the greatest truths I ever learned is don't uh, is, is build build up a big enough bank account of love so when you make a withdrawal in discipline, you're not overdrawn. Your bank account ain't upside down. That way your children don't end up, hurt, don't end up hating you. But it'll make a child hard, hard-hearted and, and mentally hard if they live under an iron rod of somebody who's just cruel to them. Sternness and hardness will close their hearts up, and they'll be just as cold as they can be. So it's and it's a very dangerous thing to make our children afraid of us. I understand parental fear, like the fear of the Lord and respecting your parents and, and that kind of fear, but terror fear should never be in that parent-child relationship. Um, but the last part of that verse said, and, and shall deliver his soul from hell. And that word here translated hell is actually Sheol, which it first has the idea of the grave. And and sometimes that word is used in the sense of physical death, and other times it's used in the sense of eternal death. But here it can be used either way because, again, applying that rod when it's necessary can stop that child from going too far and end up either dying because of their own actions or end up missing the gospel message and going right on into hell. So, again, it should never be abused. It should never be done to the point of, of, of cruelty, but but it should be done in love, but it's necessary. All right, let's keep going. Verse 15 and 16, the joy of a father imparting wisdom. He said, if my son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins, there's that word, my kidneys, shall rejoice. 
My kidneys will be happy. You made my kidneys happy today. I'm going to tell my wife that when I get home. Baby, you just made my kidneys so happy. But uh, my reign shall rejoice when my lips speak right things. <clears throat> so if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice. So the reason the book of Proverbs is written is because Father Solomon is, is writing uh, is writing words of wisdom to his children. And, and Solomon, he reflected on the, the happiness that he would have if his children actually listened to him and, and followed this wisdom and lived in it. It, it made make my heart so happy. And I've told my children this, you know, you just you just live a, you just be a good man and you live for God, you know, it thrilled me to no end. I just want you to be I just want you to turn out right. That's what I've told all of them. I just want you to turn out right. And I'll do anything I can to make sure you turn out right. And I did all I could do. And now it's up to them because they know what's right. I taught them right. But now they have to figure out if they're gonna be do right for themselves because it's right before God or they're gonna be right because I showed them to. So all every child has got to come to that decision when they get on their own. Am I going to do right because it's right, or am I going to do right because they said to? You know? And he said, I, my heart my heart uh, rejoice. He said, my heart will rejoice when thy lips speak right things. So either, either, either you have wisdom or you don't have wisdom, and it shows up when you open your mouth. In the words you speak, and when the father hears his child speaking and they're speaking right things, they're speaking truthful things, and that makes that father glad. He he has a reason to believe that the lessons that he imparted have been learned and received, and that causes joy down in your heart when you say, "My kid, my, my my kid got it. They understood." And you know, my, my son Jackson, he 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 was talking to me about a month ago, and he was telling me, you know, that he was talking to some of those Mennonites that work out there at, the, at that at that trailer place he was working at. And he said, you know, I, Daddy, I was talking to one of them about eternal security and asked them what they believe about that. And I was trying to show them, tell them some verses and trying to explain to them that you don't ever lose your salvation. He said, but I think they're, I think they're involved in works. I think they got works involved in what they believe. And, uh, you know, it's just done my heart so much good to know that he's got concern about somebody's soul and he's trying to talk to them about the Lord. And that tells me, hey, he's got, he's got the Lord done in him. I mean, even though he went through years where I didn't even think he paid attention to me and knew my name because, you know, he's a teenager. But I'm seeing God show up in his life now, and that's exciting to me. And, again, that's what the Word's talking about here. It, it gives you excitement when you see your kids living for God or trying to. <clears throat> and, again, uh, we talked about the reins, but just weird with it being kidneys, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, let's look at verses 17 and 18. I think we're done. I think we're at the end, ain't we? I said we can go through 18 tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we're almost done. And it ain't even seven yet. Do not envy sinners. I mean, it ain't eight. You didn't set that right. You got you got me an hour behind. I got an hour left. I got an hour to go. All right. But uh, anyway, God's telling us not to envy sinners. You say, why would I envy sinners? Well, we, there's a reason for it. It says, verse 17 and 18, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long, for surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Again, falling, it's easy to fall into the trap of, of envy and sinners. You may say, well, why would I want to do that? Because we see, we see people who don't love God, who don't serve God, seemingly being blessed. 
We see people who do horrible things, seemingly profit off of it, and they're just they got, they got everything, and we got we're struggling trying to make it. Our third job can't got ain't got two nickels to rub together, and prob- more problems than Carter's got liver pills. And it's like, why? This don't make sense, Lord. Why? Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Why we work so hard and can't come up with hardly nothing, and yet people who absolutely do nothing but just just gross wickedness make all the money in the world. So it's not that hard to start looking around and asking questions and going, hmm, this don't make sense. And on this side of eternity, and on this side of God's final judgments, it does seem like sin goes unpunished. It does seem like righteousness goes unrewarded on this side of God's judgment. And what it what ought to happen is instead of us envying sinners, our hearts ought to be full of compassion for them because they ain't got nothing to look forward to but dying. That's gonna be the that's that's gonna be the last good day of their life is the day they die. I mean, yeah, they're gonna die, but 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 what they're going they're, they listen, they're gonna live forever. Actually they're gonna die forever. They're not gonna live forever. Because once you leave this world without Christ, you don't have no more life to look forward to. All you have to look forward to is eternal death. Eternal death. It never ends. It just goes on and on. And I can't imagine what a miserable existence to eternally die and eternally no pain and suffering, to no horror, to no absolute awful, excruciating pain, and, and to have it knowing that we refused free, uh, free grace that was offered. What a horrible thought to endure forever along with everything that goes along with it, which I ain't got time to explain, but don't nobody want to hear it anyway. I guarantee you, you don't want to hear about it. Uh, but the Bible says there in the last part of that, it says, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long, verse 17. So instead of being jealous for the wicked and looking at them and saying, boy, look what all they've got, we need to determine to have an eternal perspective rooted in the fear of the Lord. Um, and, and and realize the greatness and righteousness of God and and what we have in Him and not and, and not worry about what they've got because again, all they've got's going to burn up. All they've got's going to be gone. Eventually, they're going to be miserable. And, and and again, money won't keep a person warm at night. A per, it won't it won't fill the emptiness of a heart. It won't comfort a lonely heart. Money can't do that. You can surround yourself. A person can have all the money in the world and surround themselves with beautiful things and beautiful people. They can't buy love. They can't buy the peace that comes by knowing God. In a sermon on this verse, Charles Spurgeon gave a wonderful definition of the fear of the Lord that we're to be in all the day long. He said, the fear of the Lord is a brief description for true religion. It is an inward condition indicating cheerful submission to our Heavenly Father. It consists very much in a holy reverence of God and a sacred awe of Him. This is accompanied by a childlike trust in Him which leads to loving obedience, tender submission, and humble adoration. That's the fear of the Lord. And God tells us we're to be in that all day long. That ought to be the attitude of our heart. Like a child trusting mom and dad. 
We ought we ought to have a, a love like that, like when we were little, before we ever knew mom and dad could do any wrong, and they were our heroes. And that love and that trust and that respect, that's the kind of way we ought to be toward God all the time. He said all the day long. You know, that means that means we ought to wake up with God. When we wake up, he ought to be the first thought on our mind. We ought to be thankful when we wake up. We ought to walk with God all day long and talk to him. Like Dr. Rice said, don't put a period at the end of your prayers. Just hang a comma on there and say, Lord, I'll be back in a minute. You know, and, and not only wake up with him and walk with him, but lay down with him. Talk to him before you go to bed. Tell him everything that's in your heart. Get all the all the things that you didn't get right in the day. Get it right before you go to bed. Make sure everything's right in your heart before you close your eyes. You know, stay in constant communication and communion with the Lord and, 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 and live your life to try to be in conformity with him. And why, why do we do all that? Because we're going somewhere. We're preparing to spend eternity with him. I heard Adrian Rogers say something the other day. It really shook me. He said, I worry about people that don't want to go to church. He said, because I worry, because there ought to be a desire in you. If, you. if you're a child of God, you ought to have a desire to be with God's people. You ought to have a desire to be able to preach the word of God. And he said in that verse over there, it says, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they had no doubt continued with us. He said, There's in there, that's in there for a reason. And, I, and that scares me for my children, because I know my children are out of church. And, and it ought to scare you for some people in your life, too. I mean, does that mean automatically somebody's not saved? No. But there ought to be a, there ought to be something in them that says I need to get back in church, I need to get myself in church, I need to get in my Bible. <clears throat> so, again, we need to walk with God all the day long because again we're going to be with Him forever. We need to be preparing for that now. The Bible says, "For surely there is an end." That means that there's going to come a day be your last day. And if this life was all there was. Then, then we'd have all the much more reason to envy sinners if that's all there was was this life. Because, again, we ought to get all we can get if this is all there is. But, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes, there at the end, it tells us that surely there is a hereafter. And therefore, wisdom means that we should live in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to close with this passage, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Wise man Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. Fear him and follow him. That's really all it comes to. And he tried everything. He tried everything under the sun. He, he, he tried it all. And when he got to the end of it, he said, all is vanity. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Everything he tried was empty. And the end conclusion he come to, fear the Lord and obey him. That's really all it comes down to. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So the best thing to do is live for the Lord. Amen. I thank God. Hey, listen, I thank God that all the evil that I did is under the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so God ain't going to hold up my bad stuff and say, well, you're going to hell because of this. No, it's all under the blood. If there was not the blood, there wouldn't be no righteousness. I wouldn't have a chance. Thank God for the blood of my Savior. Amen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah.
run you seven, eight minutes over. I think we'll be all right. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us as we go home. Let's remember everybody in prayer that we've prayed for earlier. Continue in prayer for them. And uh, if you know anything new, give us a report on the prayer line. All right. Any word from anybody before we go home? All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to Sunday. Amen. Have a good day and ask the Lord on Sunday. So you be you be praying about that and uh, making your heart right and ready to come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us as we go home. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.